So after some time and some reflection, I've changed my mind a little bit on the game against Nickel State on Saturday. I'll tell you why I have a more positive outlook on this team today than I did right after that football game. I'll talk about all that more next on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. I subscribe to the YouTube channel, Lockdown Horn Frogs. You can also find us wherever it is you get um, audio, pod, podcast in audio form. I guess I should say podcast is originally an audio medium. Uh, let's talk about the game against Nickel State on Saturday. So I did a show right after the game um, where I was honestly, like I wouldn't say I was in panic mode. I saw some people comment. I think Clint Foster was one guy that commented on the live stream. He's like, I'm hitting the panic button. I wasn't there yet. But I didn't love the fact that TCU, it seemed like at times they were sleepwalking through that football game. I think, honestly, defensively, they played really well Saturday night. I know some people were frustrated about the third quarter. They gave up some third down conversions. Nickel State really chewed up most of the third quarter and had the ball in their hands. But ultimately, they only kicked a field goal on that drive. They only kicked two field goals um, all night long. They were able to keep them out of the end zone. Now, some of the younger guys came out and played well, played with you know noticeable effort and energy and made some big hits. They also gave up a big play over the top. Um, but that's that's kind of the learning curve and just how it goes. But I felt like the defense tackled better. I thought they understood what their assignments were. Um, you know, the pass rush, I wouldn't say it's great. They had three sacks and two of them, I think, were on the last drive of the football game. So for the majority of that game, they only had one sack. They need to find a way to get the QB more. They did get some quarterback pressures, though. Um, and use some different guys like Marcel Brooks and, and blitz packages, and I thought that was that was great. But overall, I thought the defense was was okay. You know, I thought they were solid. I thought they bounced back nicely after a tough week against Colorado. Um, the the unit that I had an issue with Saturday was was really the offense, and I didn't like the vanilla play calling that they had. I wasn't a fan of you know the game plan. And so I voiced those opinions after the game, which I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to try to do post game shows after every matchup, and so I'll have one ready for you after the Houston game on Saturday night. Uh, but that's just like that's what it is. It's an instant reaction. It's going to be a little more emotional. Um, I just watch what happened. I just saw it unfold, and I'm just sort of spitting out what I think about it. I watched the game again last night. I've had some time to sort of reflect on okay, what what was the plan here? What was going on? I have a I have a more positive outlook than I did. I still I still disagree with the way they approached that football game in some aspects, uh, but I feel better about it than I did Saturday night. And I'm not telling you guys how to think, and I'm never going to do that. So please voice your frustration or irritation, or you know if you thought everything went well and you were happy with it, then you can do that too. And the YouTube comments, or you can tweet at me at Simcox Steve, and the show is at Locked On TCU on Twitter. But here's my read on it now. Um, you had some receivers that were banged up. Daylon Wright apparently had a calf injury during the week, and he missed some practice, and they didn't play him. Didn't get a, a report from Sonny Dykes on the extent of that, but that'll be something to watch this week because you want him available for Houston if possible. Um, J.P. Richardson was banged up, according to Sonny Dykes, in the postgame press conference, so they did not play him much. He had one catch and only had a couple snaps on the night. Um, Savion Williams missed some practice this week because he was sick and it's also banged up. And so they decided not to play him. And so you were down to, you know, Warren Thompson, 
um, Jojo Earl, uh, Jalen Robinson, and they got they got Thompson and Robinson a lot more involved. So that was a positive. Um, Warren Thompson had a big night. He had, I think, 92 yards receiving. Yeah, eight catches for 92 yards. Jalen Robinson, five for 39. Um, Jordan Bailey had a few big plays, ended up with three catches for 61 yards, had a big run on a little pop pass, um, basically a jet sweep, and then caught a crossing pattern late in that football game, turned it upfield and scored a touchdown. So hopefully he's somebody that can get more involved in the offense as the season goes on. He's got a lot of speed. But in the receiving core, you were, you're a little thin, right? And so – my my guess is their thought process going into the football game was it's nickel state we have a big offensive line we should just be able to run the football and we'll we'll be physical tonight we'll run the ball and we'll get out of here healthy win the game and we're not going to show a lot in our passing game well uh what ends up happening is they try to run the football and they're only averaging three and a half yards per carry for the game okay so um, wasn't the best night for the offensive line. Now, is that is that concerning, that aspect of it, the fact that they couldn't really run the ball well on Nickel State? Yes, it is. Um, I'm not at a place where I'm going to hit the alarm bells on that because hopefully it was just – if I'm taking an optimistic view, maybe it was just a bad night. I think A.J. Ricker, the O-line coach, is a really good coach. Um, this offensive line is still getting used to coming together as a unit. They haven't played a lot of games together. And they did a really nice job against Colorado. They ran the ball effectively against the Buffaloes. Um, and Colorado's defense held up a lot better against Nebraska. Now, I don't love playing the transitive property game. Like, I think football's a week-to-week game. Um, Jeff Sims, the Nebraska quarterback, is not that good. That offense really struggled. But still, Nebraska showed that Colorado – not just anybody can score in Colorado at will, the way that TCU seemed to when they were at home last week. But all that to say, I'm hopeful that this was just a weird situation where maybe the O-line wasn't fully prepared and ready and up for an FCS opponent. Um, but they didn't have a great night running the ball, and they're going to have to answer that. Part of that, too, was Nickel State committed a lot of resources to stopping the run. They were bringing multiple players. They were bringing guys from different angles. Uh, on the flip side, it, it felt like their strategy going into it was, we're not just going to let them – run the ball down our throat all night. We're, we're going to force them to do some different things on offense. And so, honestly, in the running game, the guy who was most effective was Chandler Morris. You know, Imani Bailey had um, 19 rushes for 67 yards, only three and a half per carry. Chandler had six rushes for 63. He had a 32-yard touchdown run. And then nobody else really got many touches. Trey Sanders had five carries for 13 yards. Uh, Corey Wren and Trent Battle only got a couple carries apiece. Same for Major Everhart. And then Jalen Robinson and Josh Hoover got involved in the action as well. But uh, the guy that was effective running the football was Shannon Morris. And he said after the game that watching that Colorado game, he felt like he should have run, he should have used his legs more, but he kind of had a mental block about it. And he worked with the coaching staff, actually worked with a mental coach on, okay, what do I need to do to get more comfortable, you know, using my legs and running the ball. And I don't know if that mental block was a processing thing or if it was because he had that injury last season and he's still, kind of getting used to having his knee in contact situations and not wanting to get hurt. But uh, that's that's something that I think we're going to see more of as the year goes on as he gains confidence is him running the ball. And Chandler's not like a, a burner, but he's got good speed and good instincts, I think. And um, 
hopefully he'll be able to, to use those as a weapon, his legs as a weapon uh, on occasion. Um, and I thought Chandler played really well. I mean, they didn't ask him to do a lot uh, as far as throwing the ball downfield, but he was super efficient. Um, his final stat line was 26 of 30, and there were two drops. So he could have been 28 for 30 if uh, a couple of those balls in the first possession were caught. But overall, I thought Chandler played well. The thing that kills me, and I get it. Okay, so you're coming into the ball game. You think we're going to play things pretty conservatively tonight. We're just going to try to get out of here with a win. Um, and maybe they were experimenting a little bit. I'll say, please, like those those uh, misdirection screen passes where you got some action going one way and then you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to one of your receivers and you have a few blockers out in front and you're trying to get a few yards. They did that on third and two and fourth and two. Let's burn that. Let's burn that play sheet. You know, what that, whatever that play is, let's throw it in the trash. I didn't like it. Maybe maybe it was just the team not executing, but those did not work. Um, and is that part of, you know, these, these types of games? I guess it is, but it didn't look great when it happened. I just – I wanted a more dominating effort on Saturday, and I came away somewhat disappointed. I was, When I rewatched the game, though, I did have this thought as well. Um, you know, I talked last week about, like, five plays that changed the game, and I'm not going to do that segment this week, but um, one play that I think had an impact on how that game sort of played out down the stretch, not in the win and loss column, obviously, but TCU was up 21 nothing. They're driving. Chandler, uh, I think it was a fourth and four that he converted on a scramble, and he gets hit, his helmet pops off. And then there was a timeout, and there was some discussion about could he come back in the game, but since his helmet popped off, he's had, he had to sit out the next play. And so Josh Hoover comes in, and they just call a run play, just like, hey, let's give hand the ball off, and then we can get Chandler back in the game. Well, they botch the exchange. Nickel State ends up recovering the fumble. And then they go down the field, they kick a field goal, um, and then TCU kicked a field goal before halftime. But – Point being, TCU was up 21 nothing. If they can punch it in the end zone there, which I think they probably do if Chandler doesn't get, you know, sent off the field for the equipment situation, um, then they're up 28 nothing. Maybe they're up 28-3 to at halftime. But all in all, the, the rhythm of that game kind of changed after that point. And then Nickel State had the ball for the majority of the third quarter. Um, TCU got to stop. TCU went three and out, and then Nickel State – sort of dominated the time of possession from there on out in the rest of the third quarter. But that's just one of those moments where it's like, okay, if you get up 28 nothing, then maybe things play out a little differently, and that's a more dominating win. Um, but at some point, the team can throw the ball down the field. They haven't really done it a lot in the first two weeks of the season, and I know Chandler is not known for that necessarily, but surely he can push the ball down the field somewhat. And that's that's part of that's part of the game. They're gonna have to um, figure out and find out as the year goes on. Okay, so that's that's sort of my thoughts on Nickel State after having a little time to think more about it. Let me know what you think thought about the game and if your mind has changed at all. When we come back, we're gonna do a Big Twelve whip around. We're gonna look at the rest of the league, what happened, those results. We'll do that next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. I do want to talk about Athletic Brewing Company though. Um, athletic Brewing is a game changer in the non-alcoholic brew space. And uh, it's time for our Locked on Horn Frogs Game Changer of the Week. And this week, it's Chandler Morris. He had a really great game, super effective. Again, 26-30, 263 yards, um, two touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. Did exactly what they asked him to do. He is our Game Changer of the Week here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Uh, athletic Brewing, if you haven't tried it, you, you need to do it today. They have 
Um, a lot of different options, great drinks for watching a game uh, or being at your kids' games, tackling work, working out, et cetera. Uh, first-time customers can use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get 15% off your first online order. You can find Athletic Brew Athletic Brew Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy them online. Again, that website is athleticbrewingcompany.com. Use that promo code LOCKDOWN if you're a first-time customer at checkout and get 15% off at Athletic Brewing Company. Dot com Athletic Brewing, fit for all times. Um, they are a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network, and we are proud to have them on board here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. So what else happened in the Big 12 this week? And, you know, for the sake of time, I'll try to get through this quickly. But uh, one game that went down during TCU and Nickel State matchup was Texas and Alabama. And let me say this. I have been a longtime Texas hater. Uh, that's not something that I make a secret. And I remember before, not not this season, but before last season, I was on a Lockdown Big 12 roundtable, and they were talking about how Texas was the favorite. And I piped up, and I was like, listen, I'm not buying into that. Um, and I got some eye rolls, and you know, people were just like, come on, this is the year. That didn't turn out to be true. But I'll tell you what, they went into Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Saturday, and they beat the Tide 34-24. Um, Quinn Ewers was really effective, 349 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, their tight end, had a big week. Xavier Worthy had a big night. But the thing that impressed me the most, and this is the thing that makes me feel like this Texas team is different. It's a long season. It's only week two. Things can change. But Texas dominated the line of scrimmage against Alabama. They went into Alabama, and they were better on the offensive and defensive line. Um, and that's something that I haven't really seen from a Big 12 team against an SEC team in a long, long time. And so there's still a lot of games to be played. I don't think Texas is necessarily just unbeatable in the Big 12, but they look for real and they look really good. And if somebody knocks them off, it's going to be because they brought their A game because this is a good football team. Um, Alabama, you know, Jalen Milroe, it's they're struggling a little bit on offense. It's not the dynamic quarterback they've had in the past, but it's still Nick Saban. It's still on the road. That's still a huge win for the Horns. Um, so watch out for them as they get ready to, to get moving. A game that happened on Friday, Kansas beats Illinois 34-23. to 23. I'll tell you what, um, TCU fans might be happy that they're not playing Kansas this year. I guess if they did play Kansas, it would be in the Big 12 championship game. But Jalen Daniels uh, was electric. He came back from an injury, 277 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. He looked in control. Kansas dominated that game from the jump. Lance Leipold's a really good coach. He's got that thing turning around. There's energy and enthusiasm behind that program. Um, that's a good football team. And if Daniels can stay healthy, they have a really solid offense. They look better on defense. It's kind of hard to judge. Illinois is not a great uh, team on, on the opposite side of the ball. Um, but Looks like they're going to be really effective on offense this season. Um, Utah and Baylor. Utah goes into Waco and wins 20-13. to 13. Baylor now 0-2 on the season. Uh, Utes were down to their third-string quarterback, but still got a win, and it was a weird game. Baylor was up 13-3 um, to 3 for a lot of the game. They're up 13-6 to 6 late, but Utah had one long drive um, at the at the near the end of the fourth quarter to tie it up, and then Sawyer Robertson – 
you know, tied at 13. So Robinson gets the ball back for Baylor. Um, and he throws a, a really bad interception in Baylor territory. Utah scores one more time. Baylor actually got down near the end zone um, and almost scored to tie that up. But Utah holds on and ends up winning 20-13 to 13 over Baylor in Waco. Um, and the Utes are now 2-0. I'll tell you what, Utah is one of those things like when we talk about adding teams to the Big 12, I think it's going to be good for the league. Obviously, to a certain extent, it's what um, you know they had to do. But I'm not sure everybody's going to love playing Utah on a week-in and week-out basis when they when they get here because that's a good football team. They're physical. They hit people hard. Kyle Woodenham's a good coach, and uh, yeah, they're just they're solid. So it's a, it's a good program to have in the conference. Um, and Baylor off to an 0-2 start. I think they get Rhode Island this week, but then they play Texas in their first conference game in a couple weeks. Uh, Texas Tech also 0-2 as Oregon takes them down 38 to 30. You know, Tech, high expectations for them. They end up losing a kind of a crazy game against Wyoming, had a 17-0 lead, and then let the Cowboys come back and win that ball game, and then hung tough against Oregon, but they end up losing that football game. Uh, Tyler Shuck threw a pick six late in that one that really hurt him. Shuck had three interceptions on the night. Um, He did have 101 yards rushing, 23 carries, so they were using him a lot in the run game. You know, Shuck's a good player. I had some questions about him before the season, and Tech fans killed me for uh, for my doubts about him. But um, with all the injuries, he just hasn't played a ton of football in the last few years. And so I think he's he's in some way similar to Chandler Morris in that you just don't know what to expect from him week in and week out yet. Um, and he did some really nice things against Oregon, but also made some crucial mistakes. Uh, K-State, they take down Troy 42-13. to 13. Um, Kansas State looks good. I mean, they've taken care of business against teams that you think they should beat, but they've looked pretty dominant so far. They're physical. Chris Kleiman's got that group just kind of rolling along. Will Howard's been uh, really good at the moment. Um, Phillip Brooks had a nice day for them, seven receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Oklahoma over SMU, 28-11. to um, Not the best day for the Oklahoma offense, but their defense was fantastic. They bottled up Preston Stone in that SMU offense, and so the Sooners are now 2-0. Uh, this Oklahoma defense looks a lot better. They look much improved from last year where they just looked lost all year long under Brent Venables. Um, I saw a stat from Pro Football Focus yesterday. They only have seven missed tackles on the season, which is impressive. Um, And so the Sooners are kind of rolling along here early through non-conference play. Uh, BYU beat Southern Utah 41-16, to a team you think they should beat. But um, BYU only scored 14 points against Sam Houston last week, so I guess encouraging their offense. For them, their offense got off to a a better start. Keaton Slow was 348 yards passing and four touchdowns. Um, A better night for him in week two. Uh, Iowa over Iowa State, 20-13. to Ugly football game, as it typically is in that rivalry. Um, But Iowa State just still searching for an identity on offense. They are 1-1, though. They did win their opener against uh, Northern Iowa to start the year. West Virginia defeats Duquesne 56-17. Duquesne came into the Carter a few years back um, and played TC. I remember that. But uh, West Virginia, no trouble with them, and they bounced back after that loss to uh, to Penn State. Garrett Green, the quarterback for West Virginia, um, if you didn't know, he had 240 yards and four touchdowns through the air on Saturday. Cincinnati, a uh, nice little win for them. They go um, on the road and beat Pittsburgh 27-21. to uh, and really ran the ball well. Um, 153 yards rushing for Corey Kiner of the Bearcats, uh, and also had a touchdown on the day. And so 
Cincinnati under Scott Satterfield thought this might kind of be a rebuilding year for them, but so far um, they're getting it done. They're two and zero, and a nice win on the road against Power Five team in Pitt, getting a victory in the ACC. UCF beats Boise State eighteen to sixteen. The Knights are now two and zero. Um, kind of an ugly football game, but their defense stepped up in a big way. Uh, Oklahoma State over Arizona State, 27-15. to 15. Oklahoma State still playing three quarterbacks. Alan Bowman, Garrett Rangel, and then uh, Gunnar Gundy all switching out time. Um, they were down 15-10 to 10 at halftime, but the Oklahoma State defense shut out Arizona State in the second half. And um, if they can ever figure out this QB situation, I don't know. You know, not high expectations for them this year, but – they don't have a really – they have a really manageable schedule, at least on paper, um, and it seems like they have a pretty solid defense. So I think there's a potential for Oklahoma State to surprise some people this season. Um, and then Rice beats Houston in double overtime, 43-41. to 41. Uh, JT Daniels, the uh, West Virginia transfer who was also at USC in Georgia, he's playing at Rice now. Rice got a huge start there, up 28 to nothing in that game, I believe, or at least 21 to nothing. We'll talk with Parker Ainsworth from – Locked on Cougs, more about this game later on in the week. But uh, apparently just kind of looking around at the reaction to it, team said that Houston said that they were looking ahead to other opponents and weren't completely focused for this Rice game. And they went and got themselves beat against the Owls. And so I think this is the first time in nine years they've lost to uh, to Rice in that rivalry game, the Battle of the Bayou Bucket is what they call it. So nice uh, nice win for, for Rice to – Get off to a good start this season. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. I'll get some of your reaction and comments from the show on Saturday. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day. I do you want to mention one of our sponsors, though? Uh, FanDuel. NFL season is here. And right now, new customers can get, if they bet $5, they can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. If they go to fanduel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season right now with that great offer. Also, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on or download the app FanDuel. Get those bonus bets today. Their official betting partner of the National Football League. Uh, final segment for you here, and I said earlier I had a show right after the game on Saturday. Just some uh, some instant reaction to you know the game, and so I wanted to uh, share some of your thoughts. I shared some of them during that show, but we'll, we'll talk about it here. Big Easy said Jordan Bailey was impressive, and he brings much needed speed. The running game looked lethargic, but um, hey, let's keep working. Yeah, Jordan Bailey did look good. Uh, I liked what he brought to the table. Hopefully, he's the guy that can get more involved. And you're right, he has dynamic speed, and this team um, could use some more explosive plays. And he's he's certainly somebody that could bring it. You know, he just it, Sonny said this after the game. He's somebody that when he gets the ball in his hands, he's going 100 miles an hour. It's just he's getting after it. Levi Freeman said, "Well put. Want to see them take more chances and have more intensity. This is football, not chess." He said he liked uh, Sonny's post game presser. Um, yeah, I mean, just come out with more intensity for sure. And I think they'll take more shots down the field against Houston just because they'll have to. But I hope that they start incorporating that into the offense. You need to have some sort of vertical threat. It can't just be, you know, short and intermediate passing game all day, every day. Hopefully as well the team, the um, I guess specifically the receivers, get healthier and they can feel uh, better about how it's how it's working. Richard Berry said they just haven't found any rhythm uh, on offense. I know we talked about basic play calling for this game, 
but Nichols is a team that you should just line up against them flat out beat. He wants to see who the leader is on this team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they had in mind too, is that they could just line up and run right down uh, Nichols' throat in the running game, and that didn't happen. And so they're going to have to work on that and find ways to get this uh, offensive line on the same page. Um, Candace Young said Biddle only played two plays on defense, got a fumble recovery. Yeah, the chance Biddle had a, an impact. Hopefully he gets more opportunities. I think those young guys came out and, and played with a lot of intensity and effort. Um, and so we'll see if, if they can get more snaps. I think it's going to be a gradual process, though, getting them on the field. Um, with all these all these vets there, but hopefully, you know, Chance and some others get more chances to play uh, this season as the year goes on. Vincent Pryor asks, "Is it possible the coaching staff is not on the same page? Coaching chemistry is uh, is a thing. Maybe um, I can't speak to that like personally, but we'll see. The weird thing about that would be this coaching staff has been together for a long time. I mean, they had some turnover, but not a lot. Um, had some shakeups in the recruiting, like Brian Carrington leaving." Uh, but as far as on field goes, you know, aside from changing the offensive coordinator, I don't think any of the position coaches changed this offseason. So I would I mean, it's possible that they're not on the same page. I would just think that would be something they would have worked out by now with all the experience uh, they they've had together. Um, CFB fan said he liked how the guys played at the end of the game for net played well, tackled like he was tackling the guy behind the, uh, the ball carrier. Yeah, he had a huge hit there. I think it was on a little slant pattern. Um, again, those young guys came out hungry and they played hard. And so hopefully they get some more chances as the year goes on. I, I can't speak to why they didn't get more opportunities, you know, in the first two weeks of the season. Um, and then Jim Norris said, uh, don't be giving back first downs trying to run for more yards. Yeah, that happened a couple of times. <clears throat> you know, I remember Warren Thompson catching a ball uh, across the sticks and he ends up running backwards and then running horizontally and, ended up turning a first down into a fourth and two. So you can't do that. You have to have better awareness, and I'm sure that's something that they'll talk about this week and try to get worked out. Um, that'll do it for Locked On Home Frogs today. We'll be back tomorrow. It's your team every day, and we're part of the Locked On Network.